sight before us is that of a strong and good nation that stands in silence and remembers those who were loved and who in return loved their countrymen enough to die for them. Their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply. It has a cost. As we honor their memory today, let us pledge that their lives, their sacrifices, their valor shall be justified and remembered for as long as God gives life to this nation. I can't claim to know the words of all the national anthems in the world, but I don't know of any other that ends with a question and a challenge as ours does. Does that flag still wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? I want to welcome all the Liberty family at every campus and location, and those who are our guests on this special Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, shout out to the men and women in the correctional facilities and uh, all around Hampton Roads, all the way to Richmond, and then to our military community. I know many of you watch online, and uh, today on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember the fallen. We know for some of you, you had a spouse a parent, a child who did not come home. And so we remember that sacrifice, but we also remember those who continue to serve to protect the freedoms that we enjoy like we're doing right now. And we never, ever want to take it for granted. Can we at every campus express our gratitude? God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. We're in a series in the book of Romans, and I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans is considered Paul's greatest letter in the New Testament, and chapter 8, the greatest chapter in that letter. And uh, I want you to know that for eight weeks, we're going through uh, Romans 8, and it's a different kind of teaching or preaching. I mean by that. We pick up every week right where we left off. Whether I'm preaching or one of the other pastors, we, we just continue through this chapter together and every uh, verse is building on the other, all right? And, and this chapter is filled with so many incredible promises. Uh, last week, Pastor Zach brought uh, a powerful word called more than me, more than me. And I want you to know, we need more. Everybody say more. We need more than what we can do. We need what only God can do. We could not deliver ourselves from sin. That's why Jesus came. You need more than me. And then uh, today, we're going to continue this thought and pick up with these verses. And, and, and I want to just encourage you as we go through it to memorize these promises. So as Pastor Zach preached last week on More Than Me, 
you see just in verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now you need to memorize that. You need to make sure that you're memorizing these promises as we go through it. Today I want to talk to you about more than feelings. More than feelings. You know, living for Jesus isn't based on your feelings. Aren't you glad? The Christian life is not based on feelings. It's based on faith. It's based on fact. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so living the Christian life is not you doing what feels right to you. Living the Christian life is not you being controlled by your feelings or controlled by your emotions. It is more than a sentimental feeling toward God. Living the life that God intended for you to live is more than feelings. And let's be honest, feelings fluctuate, do they not? I mean, we went to Israel. It's hot in the desert. We went to Masada and the Dead Sea, and it's in the 90s and upper 90s, and it's hot. And then I came back, and I don't know what you people did, but it's fall. I can't remember a Memorial Day this cold. Who can remember 58 degrees at Memorial Day weekend? Even when, and I'm sure, I'm sure, don't email me and point out what year we had a cold front come through. I mean, don't waste your time, all right? But I'm sure that there was a time we had a cold Memorial Day weekend, but I can't remember it as a child growing up. Memorial Day was the kickoff of the summer. We were always either camping out or going uh, skiing. We were in the water. We're going to be by the fireplace (laughs) this Memorial Day, trying to stay warm, because the weather can affect your feelings. Am I telling the truth or not? Uh, You you know, jet lag can affect your feelings. Uh, You you know, there's a big time difference between uh, Israel and here, And, and so... I don't know what it is, but I'm like a baby. I got my days and nights mixed up. And uh, you're waking up all through the night, and and, and somewhere yesterday, I just felt like my body was somewhere between Jerusalem and Hampton Roads. So I'm just saying to you that uh, the Christian life is more than feelings. Listen to this. More than feelings, you need a new mindset. Write that down. Number one, you need a new mindset. Mindset. Look right here in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, and the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset, do you think he's talking about the mind? He's saying, you need a new mindset. The mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. And then he said in verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot. He didn't say it's hard. He says it's impossible. Cannot please God. So again, going back to last week, Jesus did for us what we were Get this now, unable to do for ourselves. You see that? Indeed, it's unable. So I want you to know what we were unable to do for ourselves. Jesus came and did 
for us. Somebody say amen. You need a new mindset, and I want you to know it starts with belief, not behavior. It starts with belief, not behavior. What you believe will control how you behave. Write that down. I'm going to say it again. What you believe will control how you behave. You are what you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. One study said that the average person thinks 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. 80% of those thoughts are negative. Did you catch that? 80% of those thoughts are negative, and 95% are repeated negative thoughts. So the Bible says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And even though we've been set free, uh, we can still struggle with the memory of our past, struggle with the haunting, lingering feelings of that condemnation and shame. It comes from our memories. And, and so the battleground, listen, it, it's being replayed like a video in your mind over and over again. So here it is. If you want to walk in victory, if you want to walk in freedom, it all depends on where you set your mind. Everybody say focus. What are you focused on? That's what it means to set the mind. It's intentional. See, the mind needs to be set on something. It will not happen accidentally. It, it only happens intentionally. You intentionally set your clock. Or at least you should. You intentionally set your clock. Or you set the radio on what you're going to listen to when you're going down the road. You, you set the oven at a certain temperature if you want to cook something you can't just put it in there and close the door and hope it comes out all right. No, you set your clock. You set your radio. You set your oven. You set your TV. It's intentional. So you got to set your mind. Focus on the right thing. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God, to the pulling down, the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take, here it is, every thought. You gotta take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That means all throughout the day, you, you gotta say, I reject that thought in Jesus' name. I reject these feelings in Jesus' name. Are you getting anything out of this sermon? You gotta take your thought, every thought, your feelings captive to obey Christ. There's an ongoing battle, a war that's being waged, and it's in your mind. And you've heard me say it many times, the war you must win is the war within. You gotta stop listening to the lies of the devil. You gotta fill your mind with the word of God, with truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm going to give you another one. I, I said only Romans uh, 8, verse 1 to memorize. But look at this one, Romans 8, 31. If God's for us, who's against us? Verse 33, who can bring an accusation? Talking about the shame, the condemnation that's replayed in your mind because of your past. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God 
is the one who justifies. Put your hands together and praise God. Now, there are going to be contrasts in these verses, and I'm going to keep pointing them out. He's going to point out two groups, believers and unbelievers, two mindsets, the mindset of the flesh and the mindset of the spirit, two lifestyles, a lifestyle of the flesh, a lifestyle of the spirit, and two destinies. Uh, One leads to death and one leads to life. Now, here it is. If you're having a problem, Place the person next to you and say, wake up. This weather's affecting y'all right now. I can see it. More than feelings. Here it is. If you're having a problem with your Christian walk, the problem is not your feet, it's your mind. Because here it is. When your mind is set on the wrong thing, your feet will automatically go in the wrong direction. Every day you've got a choice to make. Every day you determine what channel you're going to watch, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to put into your mind. Now, think about this. You watch programs, but they program you. I'm going to say that again. You watch programs, but they program you. Every program has an agenda, a message that they're planting in your mind. And there was a day when it was subtle, subconscious. Now it's just in your face and they'll shove it down your throat. And so I'm telling you, uh, the Bible says, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. The battle starts in your thinking, your mind. So you gotta pray the word of God and you gotta get up and spend time in the word of God. Who is controlling your thinking? That's what I'm asking you. If you think right, you'll do right. If you think wrong, you're gonna do wrong. It's all about your thought patterns. Here it is. How do you look at things in life? How do you interpret things in life? What is the grid through which you process information? We do not interpret the scriptures through the lens of the culture. We interpret the culture through the lens of the scriptures. You need a new mindset, a new mindset. Number two, you need a new spirit. More than feelings, you need a new mindset. More than feelings, you need a new spirit. Are you still awake? Say amen. Amen. Here we are at verse five again, looking at all these contrasts. I've highlighted different words, even though it's the same verse, so stay with me. For those who live, it's a lifestyle, according to the flesh, have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on things of the spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. So there's a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. Really, there's a contrast. When he's talking about flesh, he's talking about those who are still in Adam versus those who are in Christ. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, all right? But if you're still in Adam and still dead in your sins, you're under the condemnation of sin. So there's a contrast here. Uh, He is contrasting uh, here uh, those who are in their sin versus those that there's no condemnation because now they're in Christ. 
They were dead in their sin, now they're alive to Christ. Have you got it? Say, I got it. Flesh is a condition. It's a spiritual condition. It's not just talking about the body. And that spiritual condition of the flesh is hopeless. It ultimately leads to eternal death. It makes life vanity and empty right now. And he says here that that condition of the flesh spiritually is hostile toward God. Now get this. When Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve fell in the beginning, the curse of sin affected everything. It affects your mind, your emotions, your affection, and your will. That means inside of you, you've got an anti-bias against God. So human thoughts, human assumptions, human presuppositions, human logic are all hostile toward God. And the Bible says that the flesh cannot please God. Now, the flesh doesn't mean a body. It's a spiritual condition. Jesus obeyed God and pleased God in a body. Paul would go on to write in Romans 12 that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So he's not talking about a body. He's talking about a spiritual condition. And in that spiritual condition, those who are in the flesh, they're still in Adam, still in their sin. They're unbelievers. They cannot please God. That doesn't mean that an unbeliever can't do anything good. It doesn't mean that a believer never does anything bad. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller in uh, New York recently went to be with the Lord. And here's what he wrote about this verse, that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't mean a person without Jesus can't ever think a good thought or perform a noble action. It just means that at the core of who they are, they're more loyal to themselves than to God. And that makes them displeasing to God. That is well said. Uh, it would be just like this. Let's say there's a gang member, or let's say that there's a drug cartel member out there. And he does a lot of good. He's punctual. He's always on time. He's dependable. He's got a great work ethic. He's loyal to his boss. He, he always tells the truth. But all that good is not going to impress the judge. Are you with me? So an unbeliever trying to do all these good works is not going to impress the righteous judge. Uh, you can be educated, cultured, refined, and be fleshly in that spiritual condition of an unbeliever. Uh, let me show you this. Flesh, F-L-E-S-H. When you spell it backwards, H stands for him. Listen, without him, without Jesus, you know what you got left? S-E-L-F. Self. Without him, you've just got self. And someone has summarized it in terms of five selves. Here it is. Self-will, self-glory, self-gratification, self-righteousness, and self-sufficiency. Self-will is just, instead of God's will, you want to be in charge of your own life. That doesn't mean that you're even engaged in bad things. It just means you want to do what you want to do. You're in charge rather than God being in charge. Self-glory means you want to get the credit instead of giving God the credit. Self-gratification just means that you prioritize pleasure and comfort 
above the will of God. Self-righteousness means that you're trying to be good enough to get the approval of God and others. Self-sufficiency means that I have what it takes. It means I can do this independently from God. And I'm here to tell you, no, you can't. You need him. And, and so really, sin, everybody say sin, is a big I problem. When you read Romans 7, hear the words that stand out. I, me, my, I, me, my. And Paul ends up saying, oh, wretched man that I am. But when you get to Romans chapter 8, he didn't talk about I being my. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And I counted it in, in the uh, version translation I'm using 21 times in this chapter. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And next week, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to talk more. Uh, we're going to look at the next verses. And again, it talks about the Holy Spirit. And, and so here it is. Uh, you got to put God in the areas of your life where self has been in charge. In other words, uh, you are thinking about uh, God's will. Not my will, but his will be done. You're thinking about God's glory. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. Here it is. Write this down. You need the Spirit's help, not self-help. You need the Spirit's help, not self-help. Spirit, the Spirit brings life and peace. All that shame and guilt's been forgiven. We ought to have more fun going to heaven than the world is going to hell. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen, we were dead in our sins and now we're alive in Christ. He took all that chaos and brought peace. Listen, you got peace with God. Peace with him. That means when you draw your last breath because of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, you've got peace with God, nothing to fear when you go through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me tell you, you not only have peace with God, you got the peace of God that passes all understanding. When all hell's breaking loose in your life, people look at you and say, how can you be so calm? How, can, how do you have this, this contentment and joy well, it's supernatural. It, it, it surpasses all understanding. Uh, let me read to you in Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness. Here it is. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. So there are two groups, two mindsets, two lifestyles, two destinies Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, talking about unbelievers, the God, little g, talking about the devil, the God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And, and so I'm just telling you, you need a new mindset, and you've got to have a new spirit. It's just like this. Every day, you got to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And all God's people said, last thing, here it is. 
You need new life, more than feelings. You need a new mindset, you need a new spirit, and you need new life, new life. He's talking about the resurrection. Let's pick up in verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh. Now, I love it. He's contrasting unbelievers and believers, and he's contrasting uh, two destinies and two outcomes and two lifestyles. He says, but you, he's writing to the church at Rome. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, that proves right there the word flesh doesn't mean body because they were in a body when they got that letter. Hello? So he's talking about you're not in a spiritual condition of lostness, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not, everybody say that word, belong to him. And so there's so much I want to say here. And in fact, just write this down. Christianity is not just a new set of beliefs or new behavior. It's belonging to Christ. It's belonging to Christ. Now, I know some of you were raised and, and you were taught that you get saved and then later on you get the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to back up and read it again. It says right here, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. And you don't get him on the installment plan. Let me just tell you, it's like getting married. When I stood at an altar and said, I do to Miss Tammy, I didn't get her on the installment plan. I got the whole person. Listen. I didn't get a ham one day and an arm the next day and a leg the next day. I got the whole person, amen? Same way when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit, you get all of God. The real question is, does he have all of you? It's just like this. When you go to your wedding day, listen, you went in single, right? You walked out belonging to someone else. And that's exactly the way it is here in salvation. Now, you belong to Jesus. I love that old song. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. We belong to him. We read this, this morning in our one-year Bible. He wants us where he is. Why? We belong to one another. We belong together. I'm going to preach myself happy. Y'all just stay cold and dead if you want to on Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> Romans 8.10, look at it. It says, now if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. That's why I said you need new life. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal, dying, decaying bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Here it is. You need a resurrection, not religion. New life comes through the resurrection. You don't need dead religion. Now, we all know our bodies are dying and decaying. All you had to do is look in the mirror this morning. <laughs> compare this year's picture to last year's picture. You'll get the picture. Amen? <laughs> we in a mess. But I'm telling you, Listen, one day our bodies will experience what our soul has already experienced. 
We are born again spiritually, raised from dead to life, and one day our bodies will be too. Hallelujah. Our spirit's already been freed from the curse of sin. One day our bodies will be too. Listen, I, I want to close with this story. Today's Memorial Day in this country, all right? But around the world, it's Pentecost Sunday. Let me tell you about Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after Easter, you have Pentecost. And did you know that Pentecost Sunday is the only religious holiday equally significant to both Jews and Christians? Let me tell you why. The Feast of Pentecost has special meaning to the Jew and Christian because that's when God gave the law, the Ten Commandments to Moses up on Mount Sinai. Don't you remember? The mountain was ablaze with fire. And God spoke to Moses and God wrote the commandments on a tablet of stone with his own finger. And then you go to the New Testament. Uh, and, and I want you to know that the Feast of Pentecost is the birth of the church. Because that's when the Holy Spirit came. And God poured his spirit out on believers in Jerusalem. Again, just like there was fire on the mountain, there were tongues of fire on that day. And listen, the promise in Ezekiel 36, 26, moreover, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, stay with me. When Israel received the Ten Commandments, 3,000 people died. When they got the law, the covenant of the law, 3,000 died. Why? They worshiped the golden calf. They broke the law of God. No one can keep the law. The law's perfect, but we're not. And Jesus came, listen, not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so 3,000 died. At Pentecost, when the law was given to Israel. But all go to the New Testament and the New Covenant. And I want you to see at Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. And they gladly received what? The Word. And they were baptized. So... Uh, at Pentecost in the Old Testament, 3,000 died. At Pentecost in the New Testament, under grace, 3,000 lived. When we were in Israel, and I, I've got travel stories. I've got other stories to tell. You're going to have to come back next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday to hear some more stories. But I want to give you one, just one right now. Uh, when we were there in Jerusalem, we stood on the southern steps. It's where the pilgrims would go in up onto the uh, Temple Mount and be there in the court. That's where Joseph and Mary and Jesus went when he was 12 years old. And they found him there teaching the religious leaders. Well, he went there every Passover, every festival. And there was one way in and one way out. And so we know Jesus walked those steps. Neil Armstrong said this. He said, more meaningful to me than stepping on the moon was to stand on the steps where Jesus stood. And so we stood there, and our guide, our Jewish guide, pointed out all these cleansing pools. 
And I, I mean, you'll see a cleansing pool at, at every synagogue, but right there going into the temple, there's just one pool after another. All that water was there. And he said, this is the only place where 3,000 could have been baptized. It's the only place that would have had enough water. And then our Jewish God said this. Listen, listen. He said, this is where it all came together for me. He said, when I saw under the law, 3,000 died, and no one can keep the law. But on the same occasion, Pentecost, under grace, 3,000 lived. He said, I connected the dots and realized Jesus is the Messiah, and he became a completed Jew, and he put his faith in Jesus. And so listen, as he shared his testimony with us there, I thought about some of you right now today. Maybe you're connecting the dots together and you realize it's belief, not just behavior. Uh, you realize that you need the Spirit's help, not self-help. That you need a resurrection, not dead religion. And if you're ready, everybody say ready. If you're ready for a new mindset, a new spirit, for new life. I want you to bow with me for prayer. And just pray this right now. It's not the words as much as it is the attitude of your heart. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that you lived a perfect life and kept the law that I could not do. That you died on the cross to pay for all of my sins, past, present, and future. I believe you were buried and rose on the third day. Thank you for giving your life for me right now. On this Pentecost Sunday, I give my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for raising me from death to life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And the Bible says when just one person repents and prays a prayer like that, that heaven rejoices. So I want you right now, rejoice at every campus. And we want to hear from you. Find a red card and you can fill this out. Put it in a basket or take it out to the next step center. If you're online, just text the word yes to 40371. If you're ready to follow in baptism, 3,000 were baptized on the day of Pentecost. Um, just text the word baptized to 40371. And uh, I, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Um, uh, you, you can text the word give to 40371, and you're so faithful in your giving. And I just want to thank those of you who have already given a scholarship to sponsor a student this summer. We never want money to keep a student from going to camp. And some single parent may not have the money, but you may have the means to sponsor a student. And there's a drop-down box uh, on our giving uh, that you can go online and do that. And I want to encourage parents, make it a priority, all right? Make it a priority that your student goes to camp. Whatever else they do this summer, make sure you set your mind on things above, all right? Now, let's stand together. Every campus, every location. The altar is going to be open. I want to pray for you. And you can respond as the Lord uh, has spoken to you today. Father, I thank you that there is therefore now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for those who prayed that prayer today and gave their life to Christ. Thank you that if God be for us, who can be against us? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Help us to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. And God, we just want to present our bodies a living sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing to God. Lord, would you accept this as our true worship? And we don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I ask God that you would make us pure and holy. Make us like Jesus. Our prayer today, more of you and less of me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.